Adam here, Ad Talk AD. Two things I want to cover today. One of them will be about Christian persecution, and the other one will be about God and killing people. Bit of a dark subject, isn't it? Okay, so first question. Something I'm actually raising myself, because it's something I've thought about. Being a Christian, Jesus promises that if you are to follow him, that you will suffer persecution. Now, a lot of people, from my experience, can obviously tend to suffer what they would call persecution because they preach hellfire and damnation. I'm not against preaching hellfire and damnation. What I think is bad about it is when you're preaching it with the wrong motives. I'm sure everyone's heard that before. If you're bringing up hellfire and damnation with the wrong heart, if you're doing it out of hate, or if you're doing it to solely as a method of converting people, for the first part, I can say that hate is certainly not the right motive. But the second part, as a gospel message, I can't say for sure. I don't think it's a good idea. I think that you need to share the whole gospel. How much time in the Gospels did Jesus spend talking about hell? He certainly mentioned it. Uh, my understanding is that with Jewish people, from what I've heard, they didn't really have much of a concept of hell. Hell was just somewhere you go when you die. It's not a place of punishment. It was just where you went when you die. And a lot of Jewish people, I'd say most, probably still believe that today. Whereas Christianity, which came through Israel, through Jesus Christ, expands on hell. And hell is somewhere that you are punished. It's called the lake of fire. Anyway, persecution. Back in the Dark Ages... Even before that, back in Jesus' time, why were Christians persecuted? I would argue that the reason for persecution was not so much because of preaching hellfire. I think the reason that people were persecuted was because what they were preaching was a threat to the current system. For example, what Jesus preached about the good news and the kingdom of heaven and all that that entailed and pointing out the hypocrisy of the pharisaical system was a threat to the pharisaical system because if everyone decided, hang on a sec, Jesus is right, the Pharisees are wrong and they all follow after him, which seemed to be happening, then that completely screws up their system. And therefore, as a result, they would lose their power. And it says in the Bible, in the New Testament, that they crucified him because of envy. They were envious of Jesus Christ. After Jesus Christ died and rose again, those who followed him, his disciples, his apostles, they were told not to preach in Jesus' name. They did not want to be 
made to be guilty of killing Jesus Christ the Son of God this whole gospel was a threat now Roman Catholicism they absorbed Christianity into their own religion and merged it with pagan practices such as Easter which comes from Ishtar which is to do with I don't know a lot about it, but obviously bunnies and eggs and birth and fertility. And there's obviously Christmas is kind of a bunch of different traditions. Ishtar is a lot easier to track. Uh, there's things like Yule Log. Anyway, Ishtar is a very obvious one. It even says in the New Testament that the, I think it's a Roman official, wanted to celebrate Easter. Now, obviously, if they're celebrating Easter just after Jesus had died, pretty much just a few years later, either he was a Christian and in just a period of a year or so, everyone was celebrating Jesus' death and resurrection and you know, that would be great. Or, he was celebrating a pagan Roman tradition. But let's get back to the main thing. Persecution. We go to the Dark Ages. Why were people being put to death in the Dark Ages? We follow a few different groups. There's the Lollards, the Waldensians. At first, these kind of groups were accepted or humoured. The Roman Catholic Church didn't seem too threatened by them. They let them be. But they got to a point where they no longer tolerated their religious perspectives of forsaking everything and living a life of poverty and arguably following Jesus' words. It became, presumably, a threat to the Roman Catholic system. And as a result, lots of people were put to death through some torturous ways. And I'm sure you don't have to dig too deep in the Dark Ages to find out that there were a lot of torturous devices that were used, most likely to discourage people from following groups like the Waldensians or the Lollards um, and various reformists before Martin Luther. Obviously, after Martin Luther, we go beyond the Catholic Church. We now have the Protestants. And do not think that they don't have blood on their hands. The reason they got upset was, well, at least to my understanding, The Protestants, when they started their societies, they still followed the Catholic tradition of baptizing children into society. You're born, you're baptized, it was like getting a birth certificate, you became a member of society, you were a Christian because you were baptized from birth. And the Anabaptists, which means to be baptized again, were like, nope, the Bible does not teach you you're baptized as an infant clearly demonstrates that 
you get baptized when you make a decision for Christ. And you can't make the decision for Christ as a baby because you're a baby and you don't have that mental ability. And this was a massive threat to the new Protestant societies, communities, cities, whatever you want to call it. And as a result, one thing led to another and the Anabaptists were hunted down and killed, not only by the Protestants, but also by the Catholics who were killing both Anabaptists and Protestants. There's lots of killing going on. Or because they didn't agree with their way of thinking because it was a threat to their system. So my argument would be that persecution is not necessarily a personal thing. I suppose it can be. Often it's related to politics. If you're a threat to a system, your Christian group will be hunted down. So that's my view on persecution. Obviously there would be exceptions with personal attacks. Someone might get offended by your message for some reason or another. But I don't think that's what persecution tends to be. Anyway, God killing people. Now, obviously, God commanded his people not to kill people. However, God sent his people to kill people. So what does that mean? It means that God is obviously above the Ten Commandments, and God can get you to do things that go above it, because God created the Ten Commandments, they're His Commandments, and He can tell you to do something different. Why did God allow lots of people to be killed? Well, one argument, obviously, at the beginning, when the children of Israel were in the desert, was because the nations that they were wiping out were mixed with demon blood. They were Nephilim. However, when you get to nations like the Philistines, which also did include Nephilim, presumably because they had giants, you can't say that all of them had corrupt Nephilim blood. They were killed simply because they were enemies of God. Now, God allowed them to be there because the Israelites should have wiped them out from the beginning. And so they became a thorn in the flesh of the Israelites. Now, why does God... Firstly, why did God allow killing then? And why does God not allow killing now? I'm just trying to remember there's a term of different ages we go through. Some people think it's heretical. I don't. It makes a lot of sense. We go through different ages. Obviously, um, we went through a different kind of age when Adam and Eve hadn't sinned. We're, we're in an age kind of thing going on there. That didn't last very long. And after that, we went through a different kind of age until the flood. Before that, presumably, they were vegetarian. I do know that Abel obviously kept 
animals and he used one in a sacrifice. Uh, you'd need to check yourself, but presumably they were vegetarians. After that, God said, you can pretty much eat anything. And then once it came to departing out of Egypt, he said, these are the things you can eat. You couldn't just eat anything at that stage. Obviously, they had the Ten Commandments. They had the law of Moses. Now we get past Jesus Christ many, many, many years later. And a lot of those things arguably are not important for, at least for the Gentiles. So you can presumably eat pork. You don't have to keep all the rituals that were important back then. Uh, Paul continually talks about the fact that we're not under the law, we're under grace. And if we try and be justified by the law, we've fallen from grace. talks about circumcision, that we shouldn't be going and getting circumcised to keep the law. If we've, we do that, then we've, we're trying to be justified by the law. We can't be justified by the law. It's a foreshadowing of Christ. So now the law is love your neighbor as yourself. Love the Lord your God with all your mind, heart, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. That pretty much sums it all up. So if you love your neighbor, you're going to kill them? No, obviously. Are you going to steal from them? No. Are you going to swear at them? No. You're going to treat them well. You're going to treat them lovingly. Pretty straightforward. And now, since Jesus, Jesus has said that if someone hurts you, that you shouldn't resist them, you shouldn't fight back. That's my understanding of what Jesus said. If someone whacks you on the cheek, turn the other cheek. Don't fight back. No more killing. That's finished. We're in the age of the Gentiles, coming to an end at some stage, when Jesus returns and rules over the world from Israel. There will still be killing. Obviously, when Jesus returns, all these people will be trying to kill Jesus, or something like that, and he'll wipe them out. Uh, the Age of Grace presumably finishes at some point. But God doesn't want to kill pe us to kill people currently. He's extended grace to the Gentiles. Um, we were enemies, and now we have an opportunity to be united to him. It's not just as people Israel anymore, although they are his special people. The Gentiles have also been given an invitation to join his kingdom. I suppose the moral of the story is if you're God's enemy, you will die. If you're God's friend, you will live. Pretty straightforward. Thanks very much. Have a good day. Bye.